Welcome to The Mystic and the Skeptic, the show that asks the tough questions and explores different alternatives to today's pressing issues, theories, or enigmas. Join us in an exploration of the mystic-skeptic mind space. Welcome to The Mystic and the Skeptic. In this week's show, we return to our series, An Expanded History of Latin America. Do you guys even believe that that, that ideal of being free in America is even true anymore? Or has it just been so politicized yeah, I mean, I, a couple of different things here. So and I just want to backtrack uh, quickly and talk about this whole free market thing. Um, we have this idyllic uh, view that somehow our system is the perfect system economically and otherwise uh, government. Okay, so we, so we have a Republican system here uh, in terms of, you know, we elect representatives uh, at every level. They're, uh, people are, and, and they were, uh, it's not a, it's not democracy where we all vote on everything, right? It's not some kind of Greek, ancient Greek democracy where every every individual has to say so in decision making, you know? So um, uh, we talk about this being a great country. Uh, it is a great country, but there's other great countries and the people who live in them think they're great. People who live in Mexico and in Argentina think their country is great and they're staying there. There's plenty, There's hundreds of millions of people staying in those countries. Only a few of those are trying to get over here. Um, in England, they have a parliamentary system there, um, and uh, they don't have a constitution. It's all based on a, a, a whole bunch of laws, mixed laws they pass in the parliament, and, and they have a great country in England. They have a great country in France and so forth, in Spain. Economic issues, but they have a great country. We don't have a pure free market. We haven't had a pure free market since probably the days of of the pilgrims or something in this country there's no and there's other countries that are probably more free than we are we have a mixed economy that is uh it has parts of socialism um everything has to do with the you know uh that what we call welfare and um uh systems uh uh that 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 benefit uh people that that uh that are um are um one time or another need Need income for uh, for food or for or, or or need unemployment and and um, we uh, if we had a purely free market system we'd look more like some other countries in the world like India or even Mexico really so we have plenty of things in the system that protects people who are uh, less um, uh, 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 educated oh, we have free education which is not necessarily uh, possible in every country in the world up through you know, at least through uh, the 12th grade. And so this, this um, sort of idealized view that, that, that we have the perfect mix, uh, there's a great uh, series of articles in the New York Times, is, I think it's continuing, uh, they started a, a few weeks ago, um, about China and how China is about to become, you know, the, the, the biggest uh, uh, economy in the world. They're like second right now to us. Um, and how... They have a higher percentage of home ownership uh, than we do. They have a higher percentage of, of uh, uh, literacy, they have a percentage of, of uh, people with college degrees, percentage in the United States, okay? Uh, and we have lower than other parts of the world too, Europe or whatever, European countries, we should say. So all these things, we are not number one in the world at all. We may have the largest economy, but not for much longer. Um, and, and so, but China is a communist country. It continues to be an authoritarian country that oppresses its people, that controls, um, uh, you know, uh, religious views, that controls 
uh, the internet, they have their own internet. They have their own, you know, social media, all this kind of stuff. They, um, they lock up all kinds of people for all kinds of reasons. Stuff we don't even know about is so bad there for those people. But there's also many people who, uh, most people are, are if, if you play with the rules, and a lot of those Chinese people are fine with that. They decide to say, we're fine being having an authoritarian ruler, uh, 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 a system here, a communist system. And, and by the way, they do, they, they, it's a mixed through. It's a mixed communist, authoritarian. They do control uh, certain sectors. They control, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, intellectual property and, um, you know, what uh, corporations do, a lot of ownership by the state. But there's also a, a huge mix of free market which has been very successful for their people, for individuals. And so, so what we have is, 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 is very great, but there's other citizens that work quite great for its people. Do we have more freedom than most other countries? Um, that, again, is arguable. Do we have more freedom than Mexico? I don't know about that, you know? Do we have more freedom than Russia? Yes, they'll lock you up if you speak against Putin, okay? No, they don't lock you up you know, against... Uh, uh, the uh, prime minister uh, or in Spain. So, um, so anyway, so that's where we are. Well, so they'll shoot you in Mexico if, you, if you're a reporter and you talk about crime or you talk about corruption. So uh, that, that is, but that is, that is part, that's part of the institutionalized. Um, um, that's, a, that's a consequence of you know freedom. What, it's a, it is uh, well. Part of well, personally, you're getting shot by the by the uh, the organized crime is shooting you. Also, yes, you can. And often, there's a lot of corruption in Mexico. Exactly. So they don't have the rule of law like we have in America. So we made a deal, right? We're we're gonna we're gonna follow the rules, right? Other countries don't follow the rules. It's a different culture. I agree with that. But individual freedom exists, you know, within limits and just about. Most countries, unfortunately, you may have freedom, but not any food or a job or an education, right? So freedom itself, I hear this all the time, that song, right? Uh, God bless the USA. At least, uh, you know, I'm an American. Well, at least I know I'm free. But what if you don't have an education or access to other resources or right. food or enough food? So you're not in an internment camp like you're freedom in China. You're a Muslim. Nothing if you don't have those things. But in China, you're in an internment camp. And in Cuba, uh, you have the best doctors, but you can't speak against the government either. So it, there's always uh, good and bad things of any system. There's a trade-off. There's a trade-off. But as I'm going to say again, China is doing quite well. And they're going to continue to do quite well. And their system is working. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have freedom. So you have a house, but you can't speak out. And and you can't be of certain religions or certain uh, orientations or whatever. So, but, so then it goes back to, is the culture of Latin America a culture that, that can survive without the U.S. and the influence of the U.S.? The one thing that I, oh, growing up in Mexico, the two cities that I grew up in, they were in love with America. It was, everybody wore American clothes, everybody wanted to be American, American food and stuff like that. And then now they've been overrun by American culture to the point where you can't even find little um, Mexican items made out of wood. Everything comes from China or it comes from America. So, so the culture is being, uh, I don't know if polluted or watered down with 
outside influences just like it is here to some people. So, so going back to our subject of Latin American history, do you think that places like, um, I think it's Peru and Bolivia, places like that where they've become more independent from America, even Venezuela and Cuba, that they have kept their culture more pure or is it just part of, of modern life that everybody's influencing each other and uh, taking and giving ideas to one another? What do you think, Yama? Uh, I think that the that the uh, U.S. Um, is doing what it should be doing, as in let the other countries be, let them grow. Because for many years, uh, the U.S. has been in, in in the soup of every country, and if it doesn't go, if it doesn't look like it's going to go their way, they're going to be messing with it. So I'm glad that that the countries like Venezuela and uh, and uh, Peru and Bolivia and Whatever country is all of a sudden saying, yeah, you know what? All of Latin America, we're saying, you know what? Thank you, but no thank you. All right? We're, this is not the 1800s. This is not the early 1900s. All right? This is the 2000s. We can do it by ourselves. In fact, we want to do it by ourselves. Go and, and mess up another part of the world. Go to, go to the Middle East and mess those people up. We got our own thing. Okay? Just like the Chilambalam said. There's going to be a moment where South America or the Americas, we're going to grow back. We're going to, we're going to shine again. All right. The only thing we need is not having these people in our lives. Let us do our thing. You know, let us mess up if that's what needs to be. Okay. That's how, that's how, that's how uh, countries grow. But, you know, um, uh, that's, that's, that's how countries, how countries grow. And I'm glad that the U.S. for the past, I don't know how many years, they've forgotten about, uh, when I say forgotten, they're like, okay, well, we're going to focus on, on ISIS and all that stuff because of the petroleum. Good. That means we can, quote, unquote, grow. And, yes, there's going to be crap. There's going to be corrupt politicians. There's going to be, uh, like you said, murder, you know, um, journalists getting murdered. But guess what? The U.S., back in 1920s, 1910. What do you think that was? Where do you think uh, Al Capone came from? Mexico? All right. Ever heard of Prohibition? That was your first uh, cartels right there. All right. That was your first illegal hardcore stuff. All right. So the U.S. already went through it. Let us go through it. Let us figure it out. Colombia already kind of like maneuvered it. Yeah, it had a little bit of help, I guess, from the U.S. of sorts. But but the reality is we got to we as in latin america we got to be able to grow okay by ourselves without being without having people you know other countries moving stuff so it benefits them okay so uh that's that's my point of view on that we're gonna end with something that i that i've shared with people in the past i guess when i was more um idealistic as a young man and then i still want to hear the John Leguizamo story that Jose never told us uh, three shows ago. So we'll end on that one. But um, do, do any of you guys have like a Moses complex where I know Jose was born here, but you know, you go to another country and you, um, you learn other things and then you would go back and, and free your people. So uh, I would ask this to you directly. Yama, have you ever considered that, you know, being in America for, for a while. Let me make it great. I wasn't born here. I don't really get that idea. Oh, you came to America too? 
Yeah, I, I came to America. I thought you were second generation. You're incorrect. A little bit. I was a little bit. I was a little bit. So I don't, I don't know. I ever came up. I'm sorry. I don't know. If we ever. Never you're a dreamer. I just assumed that you. I probably assumed that we we discussed it, but you're a dreamer. Um, yeah, so, I'm a dreamer. So both of you guys, have you ever thought like, okay, now I've been educated on different cultures, educated about uh, uh, different, uh, you know, political systems. Maybe I can go back to the motherland and liberate my people and bring and bring them to uh, greater heights, or should I be part of the brain drain and stay over here? And all the good people are fleeing because there's so much corruption and issues in Mexico. Have you guys ever thought about that? Well, uh, me personally, I I think um, when I was uh, when I transitioned to. Uh, from uh, Mexico, uh, from the U.S. high school to Mexico college, uh, being college in Mexico, I did kind of see, you know, like, okay, I'm here. I have a little, um, I have at least, uh, uh, you know, car civics and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, that, uh, that in Mexico City you don't have. Um, and I did have that kind of, of, of mentality or point of view. But then I saw that there's, there is, at least in Mexico City, where I'm seeing, there is a lot of people, there are a lot of people that have really, really worked to change, okay? They've really worked hard to change um, uh, the way the, 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 the system is, okay? As in, no, they're not going to pay off the cop. Uh, they'll go to, they'll go to the, uh, they, I want my ticket. Like people that know the law, they're like, hey, listen, you cannot do this. Give me my ticket, and then I'll take care of the ticket instead of whatever it is. Um, a lot of ignorance was uh, the, the, the government took a, a lot of advantage of the ignorance of the people. But from 20 years to now, the, the people have gotten, it could be the Internet, it can be just uh, you know more ballsy or whatever. And they're like, we're not taking it. We're not taking it. We we know the rights. We know what we'd have to do. And um, and even if we did live in the U.S., we're coming back and we're 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 changing people. But it's what, I, what I've seen. It's it's the it's the Mex you know, uh, you know the people at least in Mexico have been seems like you know what we go to the U.S. perhaps for shopping or whatever, or perhaps we were one year in college there and we come back and it's like we're gonna follow the system that is that is in Mexico, but just follow it to the T. You know, it's like stop at the red. Um let another person go. One and one you know, little things like little things like just putting the directional light. Okay? That thing right there in Mexico and so you so you can tell the other person that I'm going in there and they let you go. That right there is a huge, huge, huge at least cultural shift because it used to be you don't even do that you just go in there so i've seen people in mexico that have at least and i'm not going to say a certain level of education but that do know that hey you know what i should be following the rules it will make it better well you know um just to Again, piggyback on. I, I just wanted to say something earlier, and I, 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 and I know we're gonna wrap it up, but but I totally agree with Yama on the fact. The thing is, 
a lot of the, the problems in Latin America are directly related to U.S. intervention over the last couple hundred years. We just couldn't stay out of Latin America. And we, we, we went in with troops, we went in with uh, a, a corporate control, uh, private control of, of much of the economy. And if Venezuela now or Mexico uses their resources and, you know, leverages that, that, and they still screw up what they're doing over there, they, I'm all for um, self-determination. They need to learn their lessons. And I think there's, there's all this screwing with it that the country's done up through the 70s and 80s. There's so much history of that. And we're probably still messing with these countries, probably. We just don't know about it. Um, but uh, it's not as obvious, it's not as large as it was back then. And so, but, um, so that's so important about the self-determination. Then um, on the subject of, oh, I just lost it. What subject are we on? You've been going back and, and freeing the people or, or teaching them uh, a, a new way to do things to, to make Mexico better. Yeah, like Quetzalcoatl. I have this, so I have this, I have this, uh, I used to have this when I was a kid. I had this uh, dream that uh, it was dream or, or fantasy, I guess the better word is a fantasy, that I would go back. So you know, you, all, you know that all these presidents, everybody in the cabinet in Mexico, they all get educated in America, right? They get educated at Harvard and, and Yale and whatever. They get their, you know, many of them come, and because they all come from very, you know, well-do, wealthy families. And so they've always, you know, they've always been in that level, just like in America. Most of our presidents end up being, from a certain status, economic status and educational status, you know? And, um, and so, so I had this thing, it's like, it was the kid that I would get an education in America and I go back to Mexico and become president. It's a kid. And, and it's this kind of a rescue mentality and some men have with women, right? In that, in that, uh, that we, we know it better, that we know that we can fix it somehow, that um, whatever problems you have, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you, honey. And maybe we feel the same way about Mexico or Latin America that we can say, can we uh, be supportive economically in some, you know, maybe put some mil a few billion dollars into this or that uh, in, you know, in the right way to stimulate the economy in these countries? Of course. But after that, we need to just stay out of it. We really need to stay out of it because I think we cause more problems messing with it and 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 then and then those problems come to us and 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 so uh, and, and they become part of our problems and i i and, and 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 let me just say this again we're very concerned about what's going on in latin america because of, of our ancestry but uh there's problems all over the world um and where do we interfere you know where do we put who, who needs to get a little bit more and uh, again i we totally agree that that we put a lot more emphasis uh, you leave Latin America alone. Let's put some emphasis on these terrorists because that's the point. That's the point. There are issues that are a lot more immediately uh, 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 dangerous or whatever. You know, all this stuff about terrorists coming from Mexico and coming to the southern border, all that stuff is just racist crap, anti-immigrant stuff that has nothing to do with, with, with us. Those are just made up to, uh, to, to put out there so that the media picks it up and Fox News picks it up, and people keep saying it over and over again. So the real issue is, how do we, how do we, in a, how do we positively influence, but not do too much? Because at the end of the day, again, we made 
as again, Yama's absolutely correct. We make plenty of mistakes as a country, and hopefully we learn from many of those economically, uh, 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 government-wise, legally, whatever, the justice system. You know, uh, we just had some reform that's actually kind of positive, you know, uh, that's going to, you know, some of these drug crimes are going to uh, become a lesson or whatever, you know, non, non, uh, non-violent drug crimes. So um, there, we, um, yes, yes. There, there are a lot of issues, but we can't solve all these issues. Uh, we don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the day-to-day politics of Mexico. I don't. I don't know the day-to-day uh, cultural issues of Mexico. I don't know any Mexican women. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't have time. I'm, I'm busy enough worrying about what's going on in America. So why, why would I know what's best for Mexico? Okay, so tell us the story of John Leguizamo that you were going to tell us when we started. So, actually, it, so I'll tell you the story and then you go, that's not so much. But actually, it's kind of, there's actually a couple of stories related here. But, so, many years ago, I actually didn't know who John Leguizamo was. This is about 12 or 20 years ago. I, I, you know, I, I watched TV off and on. Yeah, I didn't know who he was. Uh, I, I didn't, I kind of knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was, right? It's kind of like, oh, he said, he's a comedian. And I think this is before he really blew up. And right before he had the TV show on, was it Fox? Something like that. Which I, which I did enjoy. And, and it was more because it was the, an ensemble cast that were funny. But I got to work. Uh, he, had a, um, he had a stage play that he wrote. It was a one-man show for himself, right? And, God, I just forgot what it was called. It was called uh, Spicorama. Spicorama? 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 So, you know, the word spick. You know, the, uh, the uh, racist, uh, uh, spick. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So it was Spickorama, and it's kind of probably playing on some of the, what he's doing now with that book or, uh, or new series or whatever. Um, and uh, so it was, it, was, it was really well. And so I never actually saw the actual play, but I got to work on the production of the local Southwest um, uh, premiere of Spicoramas at Talento Bilingue, TBH, over there in Second Ward, uh, when, uh, what's his name was still over there? Uh, the actor, well-known actor, uh, Richard Reyes, who was also in a couple, uh, well, I was in at least one film with him, TV series with him, miniseries. But, uh, so he was, he was running it, but it was a really fun play to do. And I remember thinking, uh, so John Leguizamo is what? He's Colombian? What is he? Uh, Colombian-American. Colombian-American. He's not, he's not Mexican-American. But a lot, of the, a lot of the show, has anybody seen Spicorama? Have you seen this? I think there's like a, uh, like a YouTube version of it. The, the show you're talking about is called House of Bugging on uh, Fox. Yeah. That, that was, and then he did a special right. called Spicorama. Yeah. But uh, the Spicorama was the, the one-man show. And so what was great about the show is that uh, his one-man show is, is he actually deals with all these stereotypes in some way about you got the, you got the, the fatherless uh, Latino who, who, who almost, he could be like any Latino. He's not particularly Colombian-American. He seems more than anything Chicano, right? Uh, or, uh, or maybe Puerto Rican, but he's, anyway, he's kind of fatherless and he's got this, you know, love hate with his dad um uh the he's a hip hopper and uh you know this is again this is the late 1990s when this uh 
I got to work on this play. And uh, I did sound and lights. And we had a, a guy who, uh, a local actor, I, I don't know if I ever saw him again in anything. But he was so good. He really in, in, in embodied this character. But I remember thinking at the time, and so, yeah, John Leguizamo was not actually in this at all. But I remember thinking about the time that he had captured all these stereotypes in like one one-man show, made entertaining. You laughed, you cried a little bit, but at the end of the day, there wasn't a lot of substance to it. And if you look at, if when I think about art, and I think about, and this is true, and by the way, I'm working on a film next year. It's happening. I got funding. That's the good news. I told, David knows about this. So um, our story, our American, our Latino, Hispanic, Mexican-American, whatever story we have, has not been told well enough yet. It hasn't been. There's not enough, there's not people, creative people. I think the people, I mean, I like Coco, by the way. I thought it was um, not, certainly their intermittents, you can say are stereotypical, but I think they were treated in a tasteful way. And I think it did honor to the, to the, to the, the, the day of the dead, you know, the Mexican, the true Mexican day of the dead. So I actually really admire that film. And I'm surprised that there's angles involved in writing. I shouldn't be, you know, but because I know there's this bad, there was a Latino that was involved in it too, um, in terms of creating a story, but we don't, we are, we have so many stories to tell and they haven't been told. And, um, they're told, yes, we can have humor in it, but they're not fully fleshed out. We are fully fleshed out people. We're not comedians. Jews, again, historically, stand-up comedians, right? And they tell that story. But they've expanded into everything, okay? Italian-Americans, you know, vaudeville, all that. That was, that was the home of, 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 of immigrants, new immigrants, making other immigrants laugh, right? And we're still clowns, you know, Cheech and Chong that came up in, I think the last, uh, podcast, that's how people still see us. We got to make them laugh, you know? And so we need to flesh out those stories. There has to be filmmakers and storytellers and we have to get there's There's more. So people like me and you, David and Yama, we got to get in there. We, there's other, there's more outlets out there. There's Amazon. There's a Netflix for production, for, for putting our stories out there. And we need to come to them stories. Or we can put them ourselves on YouTube, put them on there. Or we can come together and create this and tell fleshed out, fully human, 360-degree stories, okay, about Hispanics, Mexican-Americans, Puerto Ricans. I don't care what it is. But the issue is that those stories aren't being told. Uh, and and, uh, and, and, and uh we only have ourselves to blame, I think, at this point, because uh, we can tell those stories. Uh, I think uh, we're just not doing it. Thank you. Okay. Well, we can go on and on forever, so we're going to end it here. But um, um, I do want to bring up um, uh, the guy who did a mariachi, uh, Robert Rodriguez. Um, he's had an opportunity to, to do, you know, directors can do all kinds of stuff. So he could have uh, – film uh chicano life in america or something like that and instead he's going with the money kind of like you said in the beginning of the first show that people are just interested in money and then as he's putting machete out and all stuff he's just kind of going with the stereotypes so he's like the the carlos mancia of the film directors 
if um if Steven Spielberg made money making fun of Jews, that wouldn't be um look favorably, but if a Mexican makes money making fun of Mexicans, that's wonderful. So uh I think Machete is actually at the service to uh to Latino community. What do you think, Yama? Well, uh, about Robert Rodriguez and uh, his opportunities to actually make uh, very deep films as a quote-unquote Mexican-American and all that stuff. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll uh, have you, I, I know he was the, the, the director of Spy Kids. <laughs> I know that Spy Kids is probably like a very low denominator in, in, in some sort. But if you think about it, Spy Kids, it's too, hold on, before we, we knock it, it's too... The whole family is of Spanish-speaking descent, right? And they're not just little, you know, you know, little kids just uh, shining shoes and stuff or whatever. They're actually, you know, uh, kind of like a James Bond of sorts, okay? Like a, like a Mission Impossible kind of thing. I know, I know, but at least, at least the kids that are there are, or the family that's there actually are brown, and it's like hardcore mainstream. It's like it's, it's. I think what Robert Rodriguez is trying to say also is like, listen, we're just as as uh, one-sided as uh, as as um, shallow as white people. So let us into your shallowness, okay? We also can make crappy, uh, nonsensical just for money sake, and as long as it gets them in in uh, what you call it in the mainstream, they're you know that's. I, I think he's doing it like that. It's like, hey, we're not like, we're we're not bringing this 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 like, oh, Mexican American torch. It's just our normal life. You know, the person that you're walking next to that speaks like you. The, the only thing is you're just brown. You know, you have uh, machete, which they actually made a. Uh, there's a, a band called uh, Plastina Mosh. They made a <laughs> a song called Danny Treco. <laughs> um, honoring Danny Trejo from Machete, and and I mean it's just I, I understand what the what David is saying about you know having that opportunity and 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 and, and uh, make our culture you know a little bit you know stand out, but at the same time Robert Rodriguez saying like listen I this is just normal for me I watch this this and this and you know I'm putting this in the mainstream so. Yeah, he's missing some opportunities, but at the same time, what he's trying to say is, just because I'm brown doesn't mean I have to go that way. I'm just as shallow as you white people, or whatever people, not just white, just mainstream people. Jose? I just want, just to go on that, I do not put all on Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, I don't make him responsible. And we're talking about Mexican-Americans, but you know, three of the greatest filmmakers in the world right now are Mexican directors, right? Uh, uh, Cuaron. Uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro and uh, uh, Alejandro Inarato, Gonzalez. And this is the whole thing. You know what they're doing? They're just making movies. They're making great movies of all kinds of movies. They're just uh, telling a Mexican story or a Hispanic story or whatever. They're telling stories about, you know, a, an astronaut, a female astronaut, you know, gets stuck in space, right? And And they've won Oscars, you know? All three of them won Oscars now. They've all been nominated. I think Guillermo Toro has Alejandro won two and Guillermo won one just last year, right? 
What about I think they all want, but, but this is my whole point. So that's what, I, that's really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, uh, I think what they're doing right now is they're, 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 they are, so they're, they're perfect representations of somebody, but they're, again, they're Mexican as opposed to Mexican American. And so they can't tell that story, right? They can't tell Mexican. They're not a Mexican American. They haven't lived our lives. And so, and so that's the story that I keep thinking about. And that's the one where somebody like Robert Rodriguez has dropped the ball. I don't necessarily blame him for making money, uh, and, but I do make blame for making really bad movies. Has anybody seen Roma that just came out on Netflix? Not yet. Uh, my sister saw it and she was disappointed, but my sister would be the typical um, kind of uppity Mexican that, that would like something a little more uh, mainstream, even like almost like a Robert Rodriguez kind of thing. But the the issue the the thing that disappointed me from Roma and just seeing the trailers is that it talks about Mexico in the seventies, and it is about the tension between rich Mexicans and poor Mexicans and how so so the emphasis is on an indigenous woman who works for the, the the rich Mexican family. I believe the greatest film ever made in Mexico is Amores Perros. And even though it's a really messed up film, I love it because it actually portrays Mexico as it really is. I hear people, they come to me and they're like, hey man, have you ever been to these amazing mansions in your hometown? And I'm like, why would I? If I would have been in the mansions, I, I would still be hanging out in the mansions. Exactly. So, so Americans have this idea of Mexico, like the Cancuns and the Puerto Vallartas and the fancy places where they visit with their friends. And they, they don't experience the different levels of poverty, different levels of economic and social uh, systems. And, and in that movie, you have a conversion of all three different things and, and how messed up it is in every level. That even if you're rich, you still deal with a lot of corruption and issues. If you're middle class, there's, there's a lot of fear of losing the little bit that you have. And when you're poor, you're desperate. And it just brings all those issues uh, together. And I would love if one of these three great directors would tackle the issue of migration, of how you leave everything behind for this dream and then the dream blows up in your face or you, you make it in America, but it takes you a long time to do that and it's at a great loss. Yeah, or that you, start, you end up starting a new family because the, the one back there, you either lost or... Uh, for some reason, people decided to move on. Like all these things that, that we experience as immigrants are not being documented and they're not being expressed in any creative way. So it's it's almost like unfathomable that someone would, would go through that journey. And there's been little movies here and there that, that talk about the immigrant experience, but there hasn't been something that has been powerful. Um, and, and then even looking back at a, the history of, of the the conquistadors and the native population, there hasn't been a movie that is like, a, not to go back to that, but there hasn't been like a movie about like the Mexican Holocaust. Like there, there hasn't been a movie about the conquistadors destroying uh, a, a, an empire. There hasn't been a movie about slavery in, in Latin America other than uh, The Mission. That, that's another one of my favorite films with Robert De Niro where they show the tension that, that the Portuguese had with the slaveholders and the church 
and the good people and bad people on both sides. So there's been things here and there, but overall, uh, like you said, there, there hasn't been a thorough documentation of the experience of the people in Latin America and including in the U.S. And it, it goes back to John Leguizamo's theory that they were invisible, that, there's, that if you don't document it, or like one of my mentors once told me, if you don't celebrate your culture, nobody else will. So, so now we have to wait for Disney to feel like it's a marketing strategy that we're going to get all the Mexicans come buy movie tickets. Um, I think uh, Yama told me that it was like the greatest success in Mexico, the, the movie. I remember as a kid in Mexico watching these cartoons with Donald Duck and a parrot. And uh, I can't remember. There was, a, uh, there was a rooster who represented the Mexican. And he was the typical guy with a sombrero. The parrot was Argentinian. And then Donald Duck was the clueless American. And the parrot was uh, Brazilian. It was the Three okay. Amigos. Okay, so the Three Amigos, you would get these, the original Three Amigos, you would get these, like, the three different types of Americans. or Tres people. Caballeros, my bad. Tres Caballeros. Okay. So so you got, um, it was all these, um, it was kind of like a, a quick introduction to all of, of the Americas, and, and that's all you got. And, uh, just like in, in Coco, Mexicans were portrayed as, as, as cowboys or as peasants. And they're still portrayed as cowboys and peasants sitting under a cactus. Like, I don't understand how, um, you know, there, there's still no, no understanding that it's, it's, a, it's like a civilization. Like, it's a, it's a modern state that, that, that doesn't, the, the worst movie that, 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 that comes to mind is the, the Mexican. They go to the filthiest place in, in, in Mexico where it's just like you see those dust things pass by and it's just Johnny Depp. nowhere in the desert. And then you also see that in uh, traffic where they, they have a blue filter when they're in America and they have a red filter when they go into Mexico. Uh, and Mexico looks like hell. Uh, also in um, the Man on Fire. Yes. Uh, yeah. He goes to Mexico and they're like dancing like like tribesmen ready to kill the the only African American in Mexico and they're ready to they're all criminals and it's just unbelievable. So we can have a show all only about the way the Latinos are depicted in movies, but um but again it goes back to this shallow understanding of the culture and then going cheap shots like how can I portray them in the worst light? Uh to make a point, to have like this Star Wars, uh, light versus darkness kind of thing. And the American is always the victim. And the Mexicans are like people that uh, they're trying to attack them. Um, this is going to become a second show because there's one point that I want to bring up to Yama and I want to see what he thinks. Did you ever watch as a child in Mexico? There's a movie about three students that go into a town. They're light-skinned Mexican students. And they go to a town in the province of Mexico somewhere. And they get killed by the, by the locals. Yes. And it looks like the, it almost looks like what happened during the revolution where Hidalgo, a criollo, or like an independence where a criollo, he got all the, the natives and mestizos together to fight against the Spaniards. But in this one, the Spanish looking kids get killed by the darker um, native population. What was the point of that movie? Well, no, no, I, I, I haven't seen that movie. 
uh, where where it's light skin. The the one I, that that I know and I did see was it was the students that went into a small population, and the priest at at the uh, in this town thought that these guys were were uh, were university students. They were here to uh, cause trouble, and basically. The, the the priest told him, hey, this is not a place where that stuff's going to happen, so let's get, go get him out, and they lynched him, basically. That is um, a movie. Do you remember the name of it? Uh, I don't know. I, right now, during, I'm going to look for it, but it had it was in the state of Puebla. And and what's the point of the movie that, that the, the traditional Mexicans don't like uh, rebel Outsiders. Rousers? Outsiders coming, rebel, uh, rebel rousers. But it was almost like a like um um a way to criticize the movement of the 1960s or yep yep uh well not to criticize that is to criticize the the what you call it the the closed-minded people that were afraid of students the students were were were, were went to that town because they were gonna i think they were gonna climb the uh the Cibato, and they were stopping there because they're that's where they were going to spend the night and then from there they were going to go and climb and somebody said something that oh and i still remember it because when they got to a bar they started singing uh el goya from uh lo nam um, goya? it's 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 a uh, it's a cheer from lo nam and and they thought that they were coming here to to do all these protests or whatever or start getting people all riled up and that's when uh when they all, all things all hell went loose. So in Mexico, uh, there's this kind of status quo or traditionalism where if anybody has any radical ideas, they're quickly, uh, you know, deemed communist, deemed, um, you know, uh, criminals or, or mafiosos or whatever. So when, when they were, the last president was being elected or the current president was running and he went, uh, all my family in Monterey was scared of him. They're like, that guy is a mobster from Mexico City. He was the mayor of Mexico City. We shouldn't trust him. They were saying that he had ties to guerrilla groups and all that stuff. So it was like they weren't even willing to give a chance to someone who was uh, pushing for reform or for new ideas. Um, uh, Jose, are you familiar with the, the current president of Mexico and what's been going on? The name of the oh, movie is called Canoa. The what? Sorry, the, the name. Sorry, Jose. Uh, the the name of the movie that I was telling you about is called uh, Canoa. It was built in seventy. It was made in uh, seventy five. Sorry, continue. Uh, do you know much about Lopez Obrador? No, I I know nothing about him. I mean, just you know, you get snippets on you know. Uh, uh, I I should read. I mean, I just got a. I've been reading the Times more. <laughs> New York Times more lately, and, uh, and I just haven't gotten to the. You know, it's again. I, I honestly, I, I, I'm more concerned about the president here in America. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I know that uh, uh, he's somewhat, he's more conservative than the last guy. Well, maybe the last guy was also conservative, right? Um, but uh, what, what, are, what is like main? Uh, Gripes. What is? What are some of the issues that he's they he ran on? I don't know. Educate me. You tell us, Yama. You have a bigger connection to Mexico than than me. What do you know about the new president? 
Uh, well, about AMLO, what I know um, is that, uh, I mean, the basics is that he's been uh, running for president for the past uh, 20 years, 25 years he's been running for president. Uh, there was one, um, I think it was uh, when Cedillo became president, he was actually, uh, I mean, there was a huge thing about the him actually winning, but you know, Mexican politics all says, no, he didn't win. He was close, but he didn't win. And he protested and he occupied, uh, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the Socalo and for, I don't know how many, how many, like for a year. And then he became the, uh, the, the mayor of Mexico. And he, he brought in a lot of, a lot of, a lot, a lot of populist, uh, and social, um, um, programs that really really helped a lot of people like he made a lot of stuff affordable for everybody um he, he did a lot of, like in, in mexico city it, like in mexico city they, they they voted for his party for i don't know how many times consecutively uh, what i know about him uh, like for president is just that he does have a uh he does have a mentality of for the people. Um, and he's, and the thing is, he's really, really showed it with his, um, his, his time being the, the mayor. Cause I mean, if you're mayor of Mexico city, you can handle all of Mexico. Basically. That's what they say. So he's got a lot of, uh, um, if you, if you want to see a, a nice report in English, I think John Oliver has a good report on that. And uh, Jose, if, if you want to keep up on, um, on Mexican politics, there's this, this, uh, this uh, political uh, satirist called Broso. I like him. Um, he, he has a weekly podcast every Friday. He talks about what happens during the whole week in politics. And he obviously... It's funny, but he says a lot of a lot. Like he just says it like it is. All right, and he every time he just talks about really going into detail about whatever's going on. Uh, so he would be a, that would be a good place for you to know about Amlo. He, he's making fun it's of like like Bozo. Yeah, it's like Bozo the clown. The oh, clown, but you put an R. Rosa. Um, I'll Rosa. tell you one thing. B R O Z O. Oh, B R O Z O. Brozo, like bozo. Okay. Like brozo. I'll tell you one thing. I was in Mexico when AMLO got elected. That was the first day. There was the first day that that I was in summer vacation in Mexico City. I was with my. I was at my cousin's house. It was around eight o'clock when they turned on the TV. To see, you know, the procession and all that, and oh no, it's official. Amlo has won. My cousin, my cousin, started started to cry, like tears coming down of sadness. He's usually a very uh, uh, emotional person, right? Who, my cousin? I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, tell us more about your cousin. Well, I don't know, but the thing is that 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 he's like he looked at me. He goes, "You know what this means?" And I'm like, "No," but like. It means that we're screwed. I'm like, what do you mean we're screwed? 
have you heard what this guy's talking? I was like, no. Obviously, in a certain social status or stratus, you're, you know, what he, what this person says scares you. But the reality is, what can he really do? Okay. Besides the talking and the actually doing, it's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? So That's in the last, in the last, in the well, he hasn't. He's barely uh, getting elected, right? He's starting in January. No, no, no. He no, no. He already took possession. Uh, last, the first of December. First of December of last year, or nope. this year? Oh, this year. So in the last, uh, so it's kind of like like um, Trump or anybody else. We're still waiting to see if he actually is gonna uh, fulfill his uh, campaign promises, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's I, I, in fact, I need to binge watch a lot of Broso to see what's going on, because there's a lot of funny stuff. You gotta, it's a lot of funny stuff, especially with this whole border wall thing. That Amlo actually said, you know what? Amlo said, if they want to leave, let them leave. That's not our problem anymore. The people so, are leaving Mexico to go to America, or yeah, he said that if people want to leave to wherever they want to go, well, let them leave. Yeah, thanks to them, because they haven't fixed the country. Uh, when Fox got elected, he said, it's going to take us 30 years to fix Mexico. And and 15 years later, they still haven't fixed anything. So it's really yeah, easy well, to, to pass on the ball to the next country. It's like I, like I said before, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, let us, let us figure it out. It'll be little by little, but we're going to get to it. the U.S. The U.S. didn't get to have all this just like magic i mean they they had to mess up um hell the u.s right now still has you know huge problems and we're, we want to talk about like drugs and all that kind of stuff if we want to talk about standard of living yeah the u.s has this but then again how did they get it from whom and all that stuff you know who did they have to um uh kill or subjugate for them to have all this uh i guess uh, military or whatever it is, and that's a bunch of other stuff that I want to talk about. But back to Amlo, um, in my point of view, my point of view, I'm glad that he he was elected just so we can see something different, just so we can see something different. We already got, we already got Pan, we already got Pri. These are these are the uh, political groups. Okay, let's see what these guys can do. All right, um, yes, they're probably gonna mess up because first year people, you know, they they don't know what's going on. But a lot of the a lot of the people in his cabinet, a lot of, these are like we called it, it, like we say in Mexico, fossils from the 1960s, 1970s that have been in, in politics all their lives. So in theory, we're like, well, what's the difference here? If you got guys that that have been in politics all their lives in the same politics, how the hell are these going to change? No, you change if you have new people, if you have young people. They've been out, you know. That's when 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 Fox came into power, he he brought in uh, a lot of people that that were used to just like Jose said, um, studying in the U.S. but actually wanting to implement um, U.S. ideas or or open-minded ideas. For example, when 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 Fox came to uh, came to power, I actually uh, one of the ideas that, that they had was okay, we're gonna uh, import cars to get a car permit instead of being in the border. You know what? Let's put them over at the consulates. And I worked there for two years. All right. Why? So we can stop corruption in the border. 
start corrupting, uh, harassing our nationals, co-nationals, you know? And, and the people that got hired believed it wholeheartedly. Yeah, we're here at the consulate. We are representing, and it's the new change. Unfortunately, you know, there's, there's just some things that are very hard in the border itself. But in the consulates, we, we did our work. We did our job. And we did it really, really well. Uh, so successfully that they had a permanent office here in Houston. Hey guys, uh, I know I know we've been we've gone long, but I have one last question, and then we have finalized our series and we're done uh, all together. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you guys on the show. Are you have you guys been hearing about the crazy stuff going on in Tijuana? Not only is the caravan, um, according to some people, they decided the caravan of immigrants they decided to go through Tijuana instead of go through Laredo or a closer uh, route because there's a conspiracy theory or some reports that they want to get to California because California, you can just get all kinds of free stuff. And I don't believe that, but the mayor of Tijuana is actually like a Mexican Trump and hates these immigrants. And, and no one wants to say that there is discrimination in Mexico against immigrants from El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. And that there's actually been fights and that they're trying to kick them out. And that this and the the locals of Tijuana are chanting, uh, "Lock them up or send them back," just like uh, in a Trump rally. Have you guys heard that, or is that just crazy stuff coming out? That's um, what's what what I've seen is you get the 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 boisterous people are the ones that get the the screen time. All right, it's that simple. The majority of the people in, in at the border, they're like, "Listen, I want to I want to get I want to get to work also." Okay. I want to do my job. Uh, we feel for you guys because I'm pretty sure because I have family members that have gone through the same thing. We want to help you. We want to help you. And yeah, you should probably do have some some right wing nuts that are like, hey, you guys got to go back, which is totally fine. I get it, but is not the main. I mean, I guess if 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 you're a, a town of so many people and all of a sudden you get an influx of people, it doesn't matter who it is, there is going to be like certain things going on because you're not used to that traffic or, or just having people, you know, this amount of people. But I know, I know we're, we're not like that. Yes. We do have a little bit of a, of a, I guess, superiority complex. In fact, today I, I heard that, um, that uh, there are uh, nonprofits in Mexico. No, that the government itself, the Mexican government, has given um, permissionary uh, uh, visa status to uh, to the uh, the migrants. That's true. True. And and just giving them these quote unquote protections so they don't get kick, kicked out, which is big, I think it's a big middle finger to uh, to what the uh, or annoying orange is doing, in my opinion. I mean, again, we 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 do we do have heart. We know it because our people also do the same thing, trying to get over there. So we have that empathy. Over Jose, are you? I was just gonna say no. I I agree. So again, you know, it's one of those things like you get one story about a few people doing something, like like the people the a uh, handful. I'm not saying it's a handful. I don't know the exact numbers. The people try to climb over the fence, right? And uh, uh, and it made it seem like all the migrants were trying to climb in like 2,000 or 3,000 migrants trying to jump over the fence. They made it to that kind of a story. Now the response, you know, by, you know, 
uh, the border patrol, whoever it was that fired, you know, that was uh, inordinate, you know, uh, un unnecessary response. But again, that's how the story goes. You know how that happens. So they, they'll, they'll, they'll take a story that's overly dramatic and then everybody sort of, you know, it gets repeated and, and it, and it's the same story and nothing's happened since then. And I think, but when the Trump administration said, you know, uh, we're not going to let them across right away or whatever. Yes. The uh, Mexican government stepped up and said, look, we're going to we're going to give them some a provis a provisional, you know, ID cards or whatever so they can work. That's I, I read that story. There's in the Times and Washington Post. It's a legitimate story. What's going on since then? How efficient can. And again, we have we're talking about a few this. The, the fact that it's not even it's Trump that made this into a crisis. There's never a crisis. And let's say you have two or 3,000 people trying to cross the border. First, they came over here. They're not, they're, most of them have, they're coming to apply for uh, refugee status. So they, they somehow believe they can prove that they were oppressed in their own country. If they went back, they'd be killed or maimed or whatever. And so they come with some kind of documentation or stories to tell and so forth. They didn't come as a caravan to you know work on whatever the work on trump's properties or whatever he thinks he's worried about so i think that more than anything it's that on multiplication of those issues of, of, of you know the media amplifying a little uh, something and us are we're still repeating it look we're repeating it it was not that so a few thousand people at the border they get millions of people cross the border from canada and mexico all the time for work and for travel and all that kind of stuff all the time on foot Okay, every day, every day, okay, at all these crossings, it's happening, you know, so a few thousand people does not, it, it, they're making a big deal about it because of, it's that caravan that I think started with maybe 7,000 is down to 2,000, whatever it is. So, again, a, a manufactured crisis by the president. Um, and so, so. Get elected. Yeah. So, I, I. So just, just to back up, we have to make sure that we also don't amplify that because I think, and, and not, not to, I'm, I have nothing against the question. You know, I, I think we want to address it, but I think um, every time we address it, we, 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 we in some way give legit, legitimacy to this, that, you know, that, uh, oh yeah send them back or whatever, whatever people were chanting at the border. Oh, they, or they using the word itself. In, you know? So I, I think that uh, uh, because you see it on CNN, you see it on Fox News, you see it on ABC and CNBC and whatever. You see everybody's is telling this story and it goes up to the top of the news uh, cycle and, and the headlines and it's on the front page of the New York Times when it was not. And I'm just, I'm talking about any of that stuff. The only reason we heard about it is because somebody, various producers at, at the TV stations thought, oh, we got, we got to tell this story about a few Mexicans protesting Guatemalans because they don't like them either. Well, again, thank you so much for, for being part of the series. Is it like 21 nations that make uh, Latin America? So for us to all be lumped together or be seen as, as one a monolithic uh, group. And we, and we didn't even cover Brazil, did we? Brazil... The, the one of the coolest nations to, to talk about and, and has a lot of stuff going on too so so thanks so much uh keep waving your flag um and we'll stay uh, we'll stay connected and, and somehow maybe get get this show going maybe in, in a couple of years we can do a follow-up okay thanks a lot guys
Ciao. Thank you. Ciao. Adios. Bye-bye. Adios. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of The Mystic and the Skeptic.